0: All right, welcome everybody back to the Four Outdoorsmen. Even though there's only two of us, don't even ask me why. But uh, unless you have a couple of beers in an hour and a half, I'll tell you the whole story. But anyway, it was just two of us. I'm Steve Strasinski and my buddy Mark Lukey is there. What's up with you today, Mark?
1: Hello, everybody. And You're we welcome. have a
0: young man named Garrett. What's his name? Uh, behind uh, doing the mic stuff, the engineering stuff. Is that Garrett?
2: It is Garrett. Oh,
0: you, you looked funny. I didn't. I don't know. Not funny, funny. But I didn't see you. Anyway, Garrett's uh, controlling the whole show. Thanks for being here, Garrett, and uh, let's have some fun. Mark, what's been up?
1: What's new with you, buddy? Just enjoying the beautiful weather today. It's a beautiful fall day. It's cool. It was nice. Yeah, it was nice. It Feels like deer season. Was the uh, was there a
0: football game in the, uh, in, or a hockey or something today? You got uh,
1: the boys were off of football now. They're done with flag football. Uh, Max had hockey this morning in a hockey party, but I watched the. The Packers get destroyed by the Vikings today. They looked absolutely terrible. You know, it was I. I saw the second half, and I
0: was not impressed with them. I, and I heard, I heard Cousins was phenomenal the first half.
3: Yeah,
1: but um, he got. I mean, he got hurt. So I saw that, and it he, didn't you know, look good. It looked like some sort of tendon or something snapped or something. Uh, he wasn't we'll walking, I know that. I haven't heard so. any updates, but And then that's I, not I was, good. I
0: was surprised when, when he did get hurt and they brought, it was like five, no, seven minutes left, whatever, no, knows yeah. more than that maybe, but seven minutes left. And they bring in the kid, whoever this kid is, and give him a break and the first, throws a pass, the first interception, then fumbles the ball the second, and I thought, oh man, just, just hand off, man. <laughs> hand off three or four times, get in the flow of this <laughs> thing, which is crazy, but, well, they're still in it, good for them, good for them. Oh yeah. Good for them. Um... How was what else did you do this week? I was uh, up in Hill City with uh, my buddy Jerry James for a while, trying to shoot a few grouse and catch a few f- uh, fish. You know, I've
1: been proud of you, Stu. You've been doing it. You've been going out in the outdoors. You've been accepting invites to go on a whim. Do outdoorsy things like grouse hunt and, yep. and fish, and, yep. and I'm proud of you. And I
0: golfed down in Lake City for two days at the Jewel with a couple of guys, and uh boy, that was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. The colors and the bluffs all around that golf course, you could shoot 140 and not care because it was just beautiful out there. I
1: love fall trips. Yeah. I have taken like an annual trip in late October in the past, and... uh it's great the weather if it's not too cold obviously although I can never find my ball in the leaves oh, it's, a, it's a good time for those neon balls do you ever use those
0: uh, no but I got a joke about that but the guy guys on the tee box and, and he's got a ball that that's 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 got a red dot on it and his buddy says what's with that what's with the red dot in this golf ball he says this these golf ball is so cool if you hit it in the water it floats if you hit it in the shade it glows if you hit it in the woods, it beeps. It's it's an amazing golf ball. The guy says, really? I'd, I'd like to get one. Where do I get it? He says, Where'd you get it? He says, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be here all week, yeah. Yeah, it, It's uh, it's been, I'm 72 years old, and I'm blessed, and I'm healthy, and my kids are growing up, and I got a lovely, pretty, understanding wife. But Me too. on the other end of the spectrum, my lovely, pretty... Wife? Wife. Spent a whole week in Chatech without me with all of her lady friends you know so um uh,
1: you're kind of used to that though i think you're I, semi-bachelor yeah she likes she doesn't leave she doesn't leave that place till it's shut down
0: uh she never leaves it we know it's shut it down and
1: then she goes right into decorating for christmas oh yeah and here oh that's <laughs> about
0: we're about we're about close to that you're right about now,
1: close so. to break out the ladder and hold it for her
0: you know again at our age my pretty wife is 76 i'm 72 i'd we're in good shape, but I don't want any. I don't want to fall off the ladder anymore. No, no, and I don't want her to fall off the ladder anymore. So we talk about it every year, and I complain every year, and I'd rather her not do that. And uh, so we don't know how much longer. You long think this you're going to
1: stop her from putting up all those awesome decorations?
0: Well, uh, I'm just praying my grandkids. I'll play this tape and I'll send it to the grandkids. Some one of the grand, some of the grandkids. Have, we have ten grandkids. They can step up and help Grandma. Can't? That's they? true. Yeah,
1: you yeah. can call over Mark. I'll I'll come help. Yeah, no boy, Although man. I'm. I weigh most more than yeah, most, most are the, rated for. Yeah, <laughs> It's pretty sad going to Home Depot to buy ladder, and you look at the weight rating, and uh, you can only buy the you know gorilla ladder or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? So, yeah, you went up to Hill City. You experienced all sorts of stuff, a little cast and blast, but you didn't really blast. Oh, you I, didn't I really only, cast. No,
0: I only saw one grouse, but I'll tell you what. Jerry James uh, I became a good friend of mine. I met him through Babe Winkleman, and I talked to Babe as well we got to get him back on the air. He said, it's true. He's, what are you doing there? I'm going to house shoot some grouse with Jerry. Said, what's uh, what what's wrong with Babe? You haven't called me for a while. How come I haven't been on the show for a while? <laughs> so uh, within a couple of weeks, we've got to get Babe on and see what's new with his life and all of that. Cause
1: yeah, we've had him on, I don't know, probably half a dozen times over the yeah, years. And yeah. he's always a great guest. His The highlight of the Babe Winkleman experience is when he uh, sang us a song on, was it New Year's Eve? I don't know, but he played his own guitar, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got a live rendition from Babe Winkleman yeah. on the guitar. My was, guess
0: is there was a cocktail involved
1: that well, yeah, night. I, yeah, I think there was. But yeah. uh, he he did a great job, and it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised he did that as well. Yeah. By the way, we have that to takes see, guts, man. This man, you know, he's pretty much he's slowed down. He's I, I, he must be 80. I'm I guessing. don't know. He's got to be. Sure. 80. And that, Jerry James would probably text me and let me know what, how we, how old the Babe is, but and I don't think he's doing a whole lot of the hardcore stuff anymore. He sold his house someplace near Brainerd, Jerry James, is a broker, a real estate guy up in Hill City. And uh, he's known Babe for many, many years. So he sold Babe's big old whatever, I don't know how many acres he had in all Complex that. Complex yeah. or whatever. And I heard uh, heard Jerry, but Jerry didn't help him buy something because he moved into a different area or something. So Jerry referred him to somebody, we do in the business all the time. And I heard Babe's voice as he's talking to to uh, Jerry in the backseat of another gentleman's car we were in. And, be, and Jerry made the mistake saying, hey, babe, how do you like your new house? That was not a good question. Oh, it is, the doors are too too thin. The ceilings are too low. I've got 2,000 square feet, came from 7,000, whatever it was, you know. Yeah. And it's, uh, oh, Jerry, you opened up the, a can of worms there, pal, because oh, wow. there's always something wrong when you move into a new home. I don't care about oh, it. Oh, yeah, because yeah. it's not yours. But when you're coming from 7,000 square feet to two grand,
1: it's a big deal. I wouldn't want to clean 7,000 square feet at home.
0: Oh, I got a joke for you. Okay. All right. What's the difference between uh, uh, how uh, s- s- Iron Man and Iron Woman? You know this one? No, I don't. Iron Man is a is a superhero. Iron Woman is a command. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, I didn't make it. That, that's not my joke. I didn't make it up. I just heard it yesterday when I was playing racquetball with some some other gentleman. But no, this. <laughs> uh no he's a babe's a good guy we'll get him back on the show anyway, so you so, walk
1: the woods grouse hunting or got
0: one jumped one but he, we didn't have a dog so we didn't have a dog with us so uh, did it
1: just explode like when I when oh, i was yeah. walking deer hunting oh, yeah. and we spooked one nick thought it was a gunshot it was just an explosion yeah. there's just so violent taken off it's yeah. it's pretty amazing to witness
0: it was really cool and it was a beautiful day the first day i was up there live i'm not even sure what day it was thursday i'm not even sure anymore and uh Uh, We spent about an hour and a half in the woods because we had some other things to do. And a friend of his named Terry owns the land that that we walked on. And and, uh, Terry is a good guy. And I'm looking forward to going back up there and do some fishing with him as well. He took Bob Krejci and I, Bob Krejci and me, uh, crappie fishing last year. And uh, those guys did real well. I didn't do that well. You know, because they have the, they got 15 different rods and all this other kind of crap. I got a cane pole and that was about it. But uh, that was a lot of fun. Then Jerry got... Got me up at three thirty in the morning the next day to go fishing. After we played pool till about ten o'clock at night, something like that, you know. <laughs> so, uh, uh, got up and went fishing uh, for a couple of hours. And uh, he's he's a big fan of the full moon stuff and the wind directions and barometric pe- pressure and all that. And I suppose uh, Mark Fisher there can share this or share his ideas if he wanted to as well. But he was we got up. He wakes me up at three thirty in the morning. I met him at Forey. He says, you know what? Barometric pressure has changed. Somebody got a storm coming in this afternoon, and the wind went from west to east or south to east. It's all coming in from the east right now. He says, I don't think we're going to do real well. And he was right. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. So I have no idea how all of that stuff affects the
1: fishing. but I thought fishing gets better when a storm's coming.
0: Uh, I don't have any idea. Me neither. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's why we go with people that know. Yeah, figuring. so
0: uh, so we went back and had breakfast at five thirty in the morning. You know, but, <laughs> but that was wonderful, and thanks to uh, Jerry and Terry for taking care of me for a couple of days. And I'm looking forward to getting back there, maybe go up and shoot a deer or something. I don't know, but just. Just shoot stuff. It's just, let's just shoot stuff.
1: Well, we got an in- invite to hunt an opener with with our friend, and that was really nice of him to do. So I'm excited for that.
0: Wade Ryan's got 40 acres in Cannon Falls. I've never been. Yeah, I have been on it one time, and uh, he's uh, his couple of his buddies, whoever he hunts with. Apparently, not going to hunt this next opening weekend. He asked if you want to come down and. So I mentioned that you were looking for a place to hunt. Ely's too far. There's no deer up there right now, by the way. And uh, so, yeah, so maybe we'll get a chance to go down there opening weekend and at least fish for hunt Saturday. Speaking of that, my son Mike in North Branch on his property, I sent you a video, nine-point buck. I thought it was a nice rack. Nah, not for Mike. <laughs> hey, when you got your
1: own land and you see different bucks coming by, that's that's the thing with trail cams now, yeah, right? Yeah. Is, you know, 30 years ago, you'd be tickled to see a nine point buck walk by you but if you have a camera picture of a bigger buck on your property oh yeah you're not shooting it well
0: there's a 16 pointer that he's seen at least twice maybe three times only on the trail cam but this nine pointer that i showed you i uh, did he name it
1: yet you gotta name bucks do you really yeah mine was baloney
0: bull my biggest buck was baloney bull and uh, my old man used to work at the uh, stockyards in south saint paul and they used to call the big cows baloney bulls
1: yep so because they, they don't taste very good. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> A big bull, uh, you know, full of testosterone, isn't going to taste good. I so they—it makes but, good baloney. But the nine-pointer that I
0: showed you—the video of Mike was in his deer stand when that one came by, and I respect him for passing on it. You know, but but he, you know, he, it takes him
1: um, two minutes to walk to where he wants to hunt, which is kind of cool. So right.
0: He, yeah, he's he's pretty lucky in that respect. Yeah.
1: No, yeah, I'm. I'm excited. You know, I'm still coming off the high of Nick's, Nick's deer and uh, been eating venison chops and loving that. But I start giving things away. I like to give things away, especially meat. So I'm starting to give away venison, and now I'm looking at my freezer like, yeah, I could probably shoot one more. You told me you were going to give me a couple of uh, small. Stage, I will. Right. I will for sure.
0: So what are you doing to doctor them up? Because I'm really not a big venison fan as far as.
1: Normal taste. Well, this is the first time I've ever processed a deer totally by myself. I've done, I've helped my buddy Eric cut up a deer, and this is the first time I've did I did it myself. So the key for me is think ahead. What am I really going to use this for? And I know the kids love jerky, so I cut most of the roast. I have a slicer, and I put it in five pound bags because I make. Um, where did you buy your slicer? Uh, Waltons. Ooh. Waltons dot uh, is the best place to go hands down if you need any meat processing stuff. Cool. And they're a great family. They're personal friends of mine. They're out of Kansas. They can ship anywhere. If you need a slicer, vacuum sealer, stuffer, grinder, anything you need, go to Walton's and they'll take care of you. Butcher. Butcher. Yeah. yeah. So I I was thinking I make jerky in five pound batches. It's just easier for the spices and everything. And that's basically two rounds of my dehydrator. So I sliced five pounds of meat and put them in bags in five pound increments. Yep. And so I, I think I had four of those bags, all ready to go. Froze them up. I cut all the steaks. The backstraps are the best steaks besides the tenderloins, which we ate the night that we shot it. I
0: couldn't is- tell you what a backstrap is. I really couldn't. So, if you opened up a deer, I, I couldn't tell you where, the, where well, that.
1: Well, I mean, you're a smart man. You could probably deduct where it came from. The back. You got it. <laughs> no, there's two rows of meat, long tubular um, cuts of meat along the backbone on each side. So you can kind of nicely cut it out, and they're big, long pieces of steaks. And then, so you cut them into chops. Some people butterfly them because it is smaller um, than like a beef, you know, backstrap would be or whatever and cut it into steaks and package those. So I have lots of packages of steaks. I, I like stew. So I cut up some packages of stew. Basically I thought ahead and rather than get package from a butcher that you have to, you know, use as you please. I thought, what am I going to make and how is it easier for me to pack and process it that way? So mm-hmm. that, that was a big advantage of doing it myself with a lot of help from Jim Dickerman, of course, but so I have a lot of steaks, I have a lot of jerky cut up, and then I have a couple bags that I'm going to grind and either just make hamburger or, or sausage or whatever.
0: Well, you know, this is, let's see, where did you get, well, oh, you got that deer up by McGregor or something, yeah. so that's not, is that all farm-fed stuff up there as well?
1: There's sporadic farms, but it's mostly, it was a fat deer, like, uh, it, it had some fat on it, so it ate well. I'm guessing it probably raids a lot of bird feeders or whatever, but... It's mostly woods there, so it's you know yeah. acorns and it must be fat from all those acorns that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But yeah. uh, it was a healthy fat deer, so it's- you know
0: talking about deer hunting. Of course, the opener is coming up next weekend, and uh, hopefully, we'll get a chance to go out and shoot. I, I want you to go out and shoot, and uh, um, and Wade's a good guy, so if I can go down there, I've got a commitment on Saturday. I'm trying to break or you know adjust, and if that's the case, then I'll go down with you, but. I was looking in the St. Paul Pioneer Press this morning. They're talking about deer hunting and the speculations of 2023. The deer up in where I used to hunt for many, many years—50 years up in Ely—the uh, they have about 0.15 deer harvested per square mile up there. That around there, around Brimson, uh, uh, two, uh, uh, um, Babbitt, those areas. It says they. I don't know who does all this research. 0.15 deer harvest per square mile, which is nothing. If you go to southern Minnesota, at 7.5 deer harvest wow. per square mile, yep, that's a big, big deal. And as a result, they're they're minimizing the uh, the the doe permits in a lot of areas, like up there. The uh, last year they had 7,000 dole permits issued up in that jun- those general areas, northeastern. That's a 100 series in the deer hunting, and yep. now this year they're down to 4,000 around Grand Rapids. Same thing. Last year they had Fifteen hundred doe permits given out. Uh, now they're down to two fifty because there just aren't enough deer to keep things going, and so uh, that's a big concern. I'll, I'll still go to the hunting shack and do my thing, but it's uh, it's not like it used to be, obviously. Yeah,
1: I went. I think I went three years up there with you, and and I didn't see deer the whole time I was there.
0: Yeah, but you had fun. I had fun. <laughs> it, it is a
1: great place to walk, and it is a great place to hunt. And I like hunting like you like to hunt, where you're walking around and and you're it feels more legit sometimes when you're you're just walking through the woods. You don't know the woods, and you know you sit and and walk and sit and walk. I like that too.
0: You know sure. if you see a if you see a couple, and especially when there's snowy, you see a decent trail. I see some signs, some fresh droppings, whatever. Within the last, who knows what it is? Something came through there within the last day. They're gonna come back sometime this day. Sit for an hour, sit for an hour and a half anyway. Then walk and you know find different ridges. I just absolutely love that kind of thing what i do
1: miss and we might get this if we stay down there but i do miss the eve of deer season deer camp talking being with friends yeah that kind of thing i i haven't done that the last couple years i do really miss that and i'm looking i'm someday i would like to have land or or have some situation where i can have a camp and have kids and have their kids and have friends yeah Really that's that's one of the biggest parts of deer hunting for me is the camaraderie and the talking about the hunt. What are you going to do? Where yeah, are you going to go? Plus, you know. No, you don't. And then someone shoots one, brings it back, y'all come in for lunch and stare at it. You know, I love yeah, that yeah. stuff.
0: It's not the destination, it's the journey. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's a big part of my life. I had young many friends for 25 years after my dad quit hunting come mm-hmm. up and we spent 3 4 days every week, every every season up there and you know, back then there was no electricity. You had the the flickering lights, you know, with uh, um, white gas, whatever that was. You have the Uh outhouse, you know. Now you're talking about deer camp for you and me. We're going to be in a hotel in a hot tub.
1: (laughs) That works too. That
0: works, I suppose. We we can talk deer hunting in a hot tub with a glass of wine.
1: My deer camp growing up, we had two campers, like pop-up campers, and we built a plywood tarped room in between the two campers to, to have a place to sit. So it was cold, and, you know, we had a generator, so, you know, flickering lights of a generator. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was not, it was not a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is.
0: You all set, young man? Want to we take got, a break? We got 620? Oh,
1: wow. We made it all the way through.
0: We made it all the way. Hey, we'll be right back with a young man named Joe Albert with the Minnesota DNR. And after him is Tim Botoff. This guy, well, he's the deer hunter I was talking about in my promo. He might have shot something other than a deer one time. We're going to talk about oh. that. Be right back with Joe Albert.
4: Now would be the time to check on the jerky. These smokers aren't going to tend themselves. You're listening to The Four Outdoorsmen on Bob Outdoors.
2: The 2023 Hardwater Ice Fishing Expo is coming back to the National Sports Center in Blaine, November 17th through the 19th, featuring the latest gear like augers, tackle, rods, reels, sleds, trailers, electronics, and more. Stick around for great pro seminars and learn tips and tricks that will help you catch more fish this winter. There's fun for kids and adults, so bring the whole family. You don't want to miss the 2023 Hardwater Ice Fishing Expo, November 17th through the 19th at the National Sports Center in Blaine
4: clam outdoors has what ice anglers need for ice fishing this winter from portable fish traps and pop-up hub shelters to ice armor by clam outerwear and cold weather gear to stay warm on those cold winter days along with a wide array of accessories clam pro tackle frost ice line rods reels and combos and so much more whether you're a hardcore or casual ice angler clam has what you need for ice fishing check out the full line of ice fishing gear at clamoutdoors.com Power Lodge is the number one source for ATVs in the upper Midwest.
2: With the top three brands, including Polaris, CF Moto, and Can-Am, you're able to test drive them all in a head-to-head comparison to find the perfect ATV for hunting, ice fishing, plowing, and having the best time possible on four wheels. Power Lodge also offers all the best gear to fully customize your off-road vehicle, including plows, windshields, heated hand grips, gun scabbards, and more. Here we go again. Arrowhead Outdoors in Ely has once again been voted the
0: best bait tackle and camping store in all of Minnesota, according to a reader's poll in the Minneapolis Star and Tribune. And Chris and Steve, they truly do treat every customer just like a a long lost friend. And they take however long it takes to make sure you get all the gear and answers you need. Arrowhead Outdoors is is the only bait store in town. That is open all year long. Got live bait updates daily online, of course. And then Arrowhead carries more tackle and supplies than any store in the entire area by far. It's the best store, and they're the best people. uh, people. That's Arrowhead Outdoors, Ely, Minnesota. Now we're going to talk about Devil's Lake, North Dakota. If If you can sneak out of Minnesota for a little bit. Uh, the place you want to head to is Devil's Lake, North Dakota, because Devil's Lake provides something for everybody. Whether you're a, a fisherman seeking your next greatest catch or just an adventurer, uh, let's say searching for a much-needed vacation, Devil's Lake truly is special. And speaking of fishing, keep a few days in late January open for the 40th Devil's Lake Volunteer Fire Department Ice Fishing Tourney. I'll tell you what, this is big, and this has to be fun. Over $300,000 in prize prizes. We're going to go out the door. And you could be one of those lucky competitors. I'll tell you what, Devils Lake, North Dakota. Check them out at devilslakend.com.
2: Enjoy a $25 certificate to Fireside Lounge and Supper Club in Denison, Minnesota for only $15 at dealsonradio.com. Deals on Radio.
1: Deals on Radio.
0: All right, we're back. Thanks for listening to the four on Doersman Strewman. Here, Mark Lugis to my left, and I believe—I'm just guessing—we've got Joe Albert on the phone. Am I correct?
3: You're correct. There you, you go. Doing,
0: there you go. There you go. How you doing, Joe? Wonderful. Hey, what is your title with the DNR? What's that? What is your title on uh, your new job? What is your position? I forget. what a... I,
3: I am the communications coordinator in the division of enforcement at the DNR.
0: Wow. That's a pretty big title. So, uh, and you, I you, guess so. You took this position over about a year ago or so, if I remember right. How's it going the first year?
3: <laughs> so it's it's almost been six years now.
0: Well, really? Really?
3: Yeah, since 20, uh, 2018, so coming up on six years this uh, this January. I thought it's six, been really good.
0: I thought six years ago you were an author. That's what I thought. but uh, <laughs> I could be wrong well, you there. Know, I could be wrong there. No,
3: it's uh, I was an author, I don't know. I think it's been nine years since I wrote my last book, and I'm always trying to find the time to write the fourth one.
0: You will. You know, I, I've, read, I've read the first three, I think, and uh, Two Rivers might have been the first one you wrote, and, and uh, I thought they were well done. I just thought they were well done. I was hoping you'd – it's like, you know, um, Sanford, you want the next one to come out. But uh, you'll, you'll get it done. You'll get it done. What exactly are your responsibilities then with the DNR? What are your, What's your job?
3: Yeah, so I, I basically, you know, I do a lot of media interviews, um, kind of coordinate the, the overall – communication strategy for the division of enforcement you know kind of internally and externally and so a lot of my time you know is kind of the ultimate goal is showing people what conservation officers do um because you know as you've probably heard it's not any easier to find law enforcement applicants um and you know so we're always trying to find new people and so we're just trying to tell the stories of you know what it's like to be a conservation officer the kind of work that they do you know, the role they play in the community and that kind of thing.
0: Don't you get a lot of uh, a lot of people from law enforcement that switch from being a cop in downtown St. Paul to, to becoming a, a conservation officer?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, and so we've got, there's a couple of ways you can become a CO, and one of them is kind of through that traditional track of, you know, you've been in law enforcement for a while. Otherwise, we've got the the CO prep program where you don't have to have any law enforcement experience, um, and we'll provide that for you. And so there's there's a couple ways to do it, but you know we're, we do see a lot of people that want to get into it because you know it's uh, you're you're doing good work every day, and it's every every single day is different. Yeah,
0: you know it's um, I don't know if it's if it's like being a, a professional golfer, let's say my my I know a lot of guys who wanted to become professional golfers aren't quite good enough to be on the pga tour so they get their pga card and then they work at golf courses and and behind the you know in the shop behind the desk greenskeeping, and teaching lessons and all that and now they don't have time to golf i mean (laughs) so (laughs) do you do you get have find time yourself and do you still enjoy hunting and fishing do you have time to do so
3: yeah no i do have time it's you know it might not be over the opener but you know there's time during the week and I would say that I've yeah, hunted and fished more in the past 6 years than I did beforehand. And you know, part of that is the the age of my kids and oh, they yeah. want to get out there and do it. Um which, you know, is a just a wonderful gift to, you know, have them interested in it. And when I say, "Hey, let's let's go fishing or something like that," you know, it's not like, "Oh, can we do something else?" They yeah. actually really want to do it.
0: How many kids have you got? I've got 2. Eighteen and eleven. Well, that's perfect, boy, and, and and I bet they're now they're they're capable of tying their own hooks and taking off their own bait and cleaning their own fish and all that. Good for you. So have they taken them on the youth deer hunt yet?
3: Uh, we my no, you know my son and I. We've been out. Well, we were on the deer hunt last year, the youth firearm season. We actually had one walk up on us in the blind. It was about. Ten yards away, my son got up because he had to use the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the deer was standing there, and he's like, "What do I do?" Yeah. <laughs> and it was the most fun five minutes, even though he never got a shot.
0: But all oh, it was fun. So the deer stood there while your son was standing there. It's kind of a face-off, and see so who's going to move first.
3: Yep, yep. Well, you know, the deer would it would bob its head, waiting for him to do something. And my son, he actually he snuck back into position. And I I, I'm not kidding. It was about five minutes of this going on, and he got the gun up, and it was he ticked the gun against the wood, and that deer took off. Yeah, but it was he. I mean, even he was disappointed, but the smile on his face was it was amazing. Yeah, and you know when we go out fishing, like you said, he can tie his own knots, and when he misses the fish because the line breaks, you know I can give him crap for.
0: Dude, you got to learn to tie a knot. <laughs> <laughs> attaboy, boy That's a good dad, Mark.
1: Joe, you're in the loop with conservation officers all the time, obviously. What is more stressful for them, Minnesota fishing opener or Minnesota deer firearms opener?
3: So well you're, you're a little bit, I, I had a hard time hearing that question a little bit.
1: So what's more stressful <clears throat> for a conservation officer? Is it Minnesota fishing opener or Minnesota deer opener?
3: Well, you know, so I, they're both extremely busy, but by virtue of the fact that the deer season, you know, is, is nine days or whatever in some parts of the state, then, you know, 16 days. I mean, it is such a compressed time frame. They're so busy. They're kind of, they're chasing stuff around all the time. So, I mean, they're both, they're both busy. They're both important, but I mean, deer opener is you know, kind of the whole deer season, you know, as COs are incredibly busy that whole time just because it, it is so compressed and there's so many people out there.
0: You know you were talking about of course the deer opener's coming up this next week, give or take and uh, I was reading the St. Paul Pioneer Press this morning. You guys take crap when you don't deserve to take crap. They blame everything on you. If it rains, it's the DNR's fault. You know <laughs> it's um it's a uh, it's a it's a tough job. But I was just telling Mark that right now in the morning paper it said that the average Deer take per square mile in southern Minnesota is 7.5 per square mile. Up where I used to hunt, near Ely, Minnesota, and back in those areas, it's less than one. And I thought, man, it's changed so drastically up there. And I forget who wrote the – somebody from your guys, a conservation officer, somebody said, you know, that's the bad news, And but I understand how some people are going to feel like my family who have a cabin – in Ely, Minnesota, just off the northeast corner of Lake Vermilion. That's where you want to be. And for years, the last 10 to 15 years or so, I wanted to go deer hunting up there because that's where I just loved it. I felt comfortable. I knew the woods. And it wasn't as important to me to get a deer again as it was to be where I I really enjoyed myself. And and that's fine for me and my family, but none of my buddies want to go up there because there's no deer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, do you deer hunt yourself then? I do. Yeah, we go up, uh, we've got a,
3: you know, I think this is the 42nd year that our deer camp has been operational.
0: That's wonderful. Um,
3: so we're, we're kind of up between Detroit Lakes and Park Rapids. And, you know, we it's all on public land and, you know, we shoot some deer every year. It, it's not a great deal of deer. We don't see a ton of deer, but it, it really is that camaraderie um, and, you know, everybody coming back together every year and. You know, it's the stories of the near misses and, you know, just it's being out with the people and, you know, hanging out at night and doing dishes and having dinner and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It,
0: uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. You know, it's uh, I, I still don't know why my dad, when they built this cabin in 1961, it's just been changed now. There's been some upgrades, but they built a two-seater outhouses. I don't know if I want to get up at 430 in the morning and take a crap next to somebody else. It's just,
3: <laughs> it's just not my
0: idea of you know, a place it, for a conversation.
3: That's that's what we've got. We've got a two-seater outhouse. We've got, you know, we've got well well water. We've got a pump.
0: Yeah, we do too. Um
3: it uh, you know, it we just we love it. And yeah. like I said, you know, we go up there to deer hunt. We go up there for opening a fishing. We go up there to cut wood for deer hunting. Yeah. And it it really is, I mean, it's it's a hunting tradition, but it's just that camaraderie of getting back together you
0: you are very blessed hey let's talk about the story that came out of the uh uh, the outdoor news here last week I I see your name in there every once in a while and and there's a couple of quotes from you about this particular situation it doesn't make any sense to me somebody had shot apparently they were shot 22 ducks tell me the story and why wouldn't if they're poachers why wouldn't they have taken those ducks kind of go through that story for our listeners would you
3: yeah, so this this one, you know, there, there was kind of two parallel stories here. But so yeah, let's talk about the ducks first. There was twenty two of them. Yep. basically dumped on the side of the road. Um, some of them, you know, were kind of halfway breasted out. You know, somebody maybe made a little bit of an attempt to remove the meat, but other birds were fully intact and they were just they're basically in a bag and dumped. You know, we we still don't know, you know, who it was, kind of what the circumstances were. Um, you know, so, you know, at best, it's somebody who, you know, just got into a jam and had, uh, you know, didn't have time to clean the ducks or it was too warm or whatever. Um, but you know, the whole, the whole situation gives hunters a black eye because the the bottom line is that the, the people who shot them were likely out hunting and just dumped the birds without, you know, really making any attempt to use them. Um, and you know... We, we, we don't see it a ton, but we see it too often. You know, we, we do see, you know, like after deer season, people dump deer in the, the ditch. And it, it could be deer that they've, you know, feel dressed and don't know what to do with them. Um, but any anything like that gives hunters a black eye. You
0: know, and you'll never, of course, find out who did it, but I, I would like to find out the reason. It just doesn't make any sense. If you're going to get rid of the ducks, I think you're. if I was going to do that for whatever reason... I wouldn't leave them on the side of the road. I'd probably try to put them someplace where they were concealed a little bit, because I don't want to leave uh, any. Re- I don't want. I don't want to get caught. But uh, it <laughs> sure. just doesn't make yep. any sense to me. You know, it's somebody's going to eat. Someone's going to eat those ducks. You know, it's it's crazy. It's uh, it's on. It's un, It's just something I've never heard of. I just can't picture it. Let's talk well, about. And, you oh, know,
3: cool I on. I think that's that's the thing that people have the problem with is, you know, when you're out shooting all these birds. And you know that you're not going to use them. Um, you know th- th- those kind of ethics. Just you know, there's there's no place for it. And I would just say that we had another instance about eh, about a week later, in the same general area. Um, it was fewer ducks. I want to say it was about a dozen ducks and geese, but kind of the same mo. Um, and so we're investigating that one as well. Um, so you know, there, there's something going on, and. It, uh, thankfully like I said, we don't see this a ton but when we do it, it's really disheartening.
0: So when you when you have a situation like these two and you said you, you're investigating as you as you go, how hard how much time do you guys put into this and what are the odds of you finding out any kind of answer I I, I just I, what do you, what can you do to try to find out who these people are?
3: You know, I think, I mean, doing things like this, trying to get the word out, because a lot of times people that poach animals, um, they, you know, if they kept their mouth shut, they'd probably get away with it. <laughs> yeah. But they, they can't help themselves. Right. Um, so if somebody knows something and, you know, somebody might hear something. So that's what we're trying to do here is, yeah. is just get the word out um, because it, it reflects poorly on, on all hunters. And it's just, it's not the ethical way to do things. And I think that 99% of the people would, would never do something like this.
0: How many times do you come home and share stories with your kids as an example? Like, do they know about this particular story or have you done that in the past?
3: Yeah, they do. You know, we, we talk about, you know, ethical hunting all the time. My son and I were, were out squirrel hunting this past weekend and um, it, it was really, really slow. But he find that there was a squirrel, and I'm looking, and he's looking. I'm like, you can't take a shot at that. I mean, you know, look at all the brush between here and there. Right. And you know, so you, you know, the you do talk about ethics a lot because it's you know it's everything in hunting. I mean, you you never want somebody to take a bad shot. You know, a shot that you shouldn't take. Um. And so you know, to me, you got to start that conversation at a young age.
0: You know, when I was a kid, I won't say the guy, the kid's name, but uh, he lived across the alley from me. Oh, he's not listening. He lives in Florida. Uh, his name was Henry. I won't say his last name, but his dad was a tough old curmudgeon guy who worked for the city of St. Paul, like a highway department kind of guy, and all the he they hunted a lot. And I didn't know much about. I was like eleven years old, and they're going to go pheasant hunting, and I was in the back seat with Henry. His dad's driving a car, and Henry's eleven, the same age as I am. And the old man sees a pheasant on the side of the road. He tells Henry to take the shotgun out of the out of the case and shoot and shot it right. And it was a hen. And he shot it right from the car. And I'm thinking, Dad's telling this kid to do that. And even I knew who's not a hunter at that time. That's not right. <laughs> and I said, so yeah, yep. it's crazy. That's where it starts. It get starts someplace, someplace. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No,
3: and and that's you know. Firearm safety, you know, all the kids take it and they talk about the ethics of hunting and it's, it's so important because if you don't have that message and you're going out with somebody, you know, who's modeling bad behavior, you're not, you know, probably not going to know the difference, yeah. you know, or you're, so, it,
4: yeah. Right.
0: right. What is the, uh, what is the best, best part of your job? We'll let you go. We got about a minute. What's the best part of your job?
3: The best part of my job, you know, it's, I think it's working with people that, you know, work every day to protect Minnesota's people, natural resources, Um, you know, kind of the, you know, down from that, it's the fact that every day is different. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, you never know what, what's going to happen. And I love that. I can't sit by. you know, I couldn't. I went to college for two weeks to be an accountant and I thought I could never do this. <laughs> so.
0: I couldn't I couldn't either you know, I sold real estate for 34 years and I'm on the run all the time you know I just I I would go crazy sitting at a desk and uh, i I'm with you i'm'm I'm, I'm a people guy so um, I appreciate the opportunity to to do what I've done my entire career and, and you're blessed as as well as I am Joe Albert I'll tell you what uh, you're one of my favorite guys. I try to reach you every once in a while. Let's stay in touch. Thank you very much for what you do. And uh, we'll get you on again sometime over the winter and see what's new with you again after after another nine years, right? Another nine years. No, let,
3: let's let's do it sooner than that. This is fun. I always like talking to you guys, and it's been way too long. So All right. we'll get some on the books here soon.
0: Next time you get some great stories, just text me. Hey, Strewman, this just happened. And uh, – yeah, keep keep a keep a journal for me, will you? We'll have you on and we'll have you in the studio. I'll do my best. Take care, sir. <laughs> Joe Albert, thanks for joining uh, us on the Four Outdoorsman. See you guys. You take care, buddy. Hey, going to be right back. Uh-oh. Who's next, Drew? We got a guy named Jim, Tim Bonoff. Uh Tim Botoff is uh, just basically a, a good, good guy. Loves to hunt, loves to fish, loves to talk, loves to play softball. Be right back. Sounds with, like you. Yeah, sound like me.
4: Good music for a great cause. The Minnesota Country Salute CD is coming soon. Keep your knob turned to pop.
2: Call Dezeal Heating and A.C. when you need dependable, affordable, and professional furnace repair at your home. Dezeal knows the feeling when your furnace goes out during a cold winter day. If you have a unit that's ready to roll over, Dezeal's team of licensed and certified HVAC technicians are here to help. Dezeal's trucks are stocked to repair any furnace system and can get your house warm and cozy again. Suspect a problem? Call the top dog today before your furnace goes out. They will come running to your rescue before it is too late. DezealHVAC.com
4: Clam Outdoors has what ice anglers need for ice fishing this winter. From portable fish traps and pop-up hub shelters to ice armor by Clam Outerwear and cold weather gear to stay warm on those cold winter days. Along with a wide array of accessories, Clam Pro Tackle, frost ice line, rods, reels, and combos, and so much more. Whether you're a hardcore or casual ice angler, Clam has what you need for ice fishing. Check out the full line of ice fishing gear at clamoutdoors.com. Tired of losing your
1: valuables down the ice fishing hole? Our friend Bill Katz with BK Outdoors LLC has the most simple, affordable solution on the market. Katz Covers are a strong, polycarbonate hole cover you can stand on and fish through. Your phone, electronics, keys, kids, and pets can now be safe with this simple solution. Go to KatzCovers.com. That's K-A-T-Z-K-O-V-E-R-Z.com. Made Minnesota, a veteran-owned company. You can order yours directly or visit one of Bill's great retail partners to get yours now.
0: Hey, one of the most beautiful winter settings in minnesotas is, well, every square mile surrounding Ely. I'll tell you, ice fishing is superb, and the options are nearly endless as well. Arrowhead Outdoors, that's a must stop for every hiker, hunter, or fisherman heading that way because Chris and Steve, well, they pretty much know it all. Hey, once again, Steve has fish houses for rent on the, the doorstep of the Boundary Waters, and he fishes a lot, so he knows exactly what he's doing, and, they, and he's got... Uh, that'll help you become a better fisherman as well and maybe be more successful unless Steve was there. I'll tell you what, he's a good guy. Arrowhead Outdoors is a great store to go to. Reserve your fish houses right now if you want to fish near Ely. And uh, it could be wallace, it could be trout, whatever you want. Arrowhead Outdoors, ElyMN.com. Now we're going back to Devil's Lake Tourism, I think it is. The four outdoors have been there many, many times. And I'll tell you what, I fall in love with Devil's Lake more every time I go there. Hard water's here, of course, and Devil's Lake is just about as good as it gets. I'm going to drop some names here. Kurt Walbeck of Outdoor Bound TV and John Hoyer, winner of the National Walleye Tour the last two years. Well, they're only two of the many professional big shots that feel like Devil's Lake is overall the best fishery in the country. Yeah, that's saying something. So before you head that way, get a hold of me. I'll put you in touch with maybe a great guide, a nice hotel, superb restaurants, whatever you need. That will take care of you. Check out devilslakend.com.
2: Power Lodge is the number one source for ATVs in the upper Midwest with the top 3 brands including Polaris, CFMoto and Can-Am. You're able to test drive them all in a head to head comparison to find the perfect ATV for hunting, ice fishing, plowing, and having the best time possible on four wheels. Power Lodge also offers all the best gear to fully customize your off road vehicle, including plows, windshields, heated hand grips, gun scabbards, and more.
0: All right, we're back. i tell you what, uh, Brandon just came into the studio and had some young man call. I think it was a man, I'm guessing. And he was asking, hey, does anybody know where we can we can drop off deerskins for donations, whatever it could be? And I, I know there there is something out there. We've done it the last many, many years. I just texted Joe Albert see if he'll get a hold of me. He might have an answer. But if anybody out there has an idea as to where they should drop off deerskins, uh, get a hold of us at 763-450-0100. <clears throat> 763-450-0100. 0100 and we'll spread the word i appreciate that welcome back everybody tim bodoff are you on the air greetings y'all how you doing buddy how are you doing how's the squirrel the squirrel tail painting business going
5: <laughs> We've had an interesting happening. We've relocated twenty-eight squirrels uh, in the last few months, and uh, we got kind of overloaded with them. So we're we kind of thin the population now. We take them to a, <laughs> to a forest about 10, 10 miles away. Uh, so, and if they come back, they uh, well, we'll the just relocate them again.
0: Uh, you were telling me this is interesting. Nature, nature is funny. We we my wife loves the birds. Even at our cabin in Chetek, Wisconsin, she probably has. Twenty bird feeders, maybe ten or so by the house, and ten down by the garden, which is another 150 feet away. And we you have spend a lot on birds. Oh man! Oh man! Yeah, <laughs> you have to put that in the yeah. budget. If she ever complains about me drinking a dry Brandy Manhattan, I'll <laughs> I'll let up her bird feeder. But but, uh and the squirrels just we have she's having fun trying to take care of them, and um, it's not working. She literally will make herself a cocktail, Tim, and sit on on the patio. And wait for a squirrel to, to jump on a bird feeder, and she shoots it with a water pistol— one of those, you know, those, I, yeah, <laughs> a super so she, soaker, yeah, no, a super, we we a super have, soaker.
5: We don't have the bird feeders, but we've got uh, three oak trees and five walnut trees, and tell you what, uh, it's it's uh, it's a feast for those guys. Well, uh, we're just we're just giving them but giving them a different lifestyle.
0: Uh, now, have you have you seen a difference in the reduction? Have, can you tell that you've gotten rid of a lot of squirrels, or are they still hanging around?
5: Well, yeah, it seems that uh, we get rid of two and three show up, so it's hard. It's hard <laughs> to tell. Yeah, it just keeps it, it's a an ongoing, and never ever, ever uh, never ending cycle. Now,
0: since we are an educational show, as you will well know, how are you catching these squirrels without harming have, them? Without harming them? We have,
5: yeah, we're not. There's no harm to these uh, little characters. So we have a live trap. Uh, it's pretty good size. We've actually caught a couple of rabbits in it over the years too, but. Uh, uh, it's a live trap. Uh, I throw four or five walnuts in the end of it. They sneak in there. They they trip the cover, and uh, I relocate them to uh, to a county park uh, about ten miles away. Pretty I know simple. you
0: very well, and my guess is you're going to somehow figure out how to uh, to write off the mileage, you know, for <laughs> for uh, for, uh, you know, for some kind of tax write-off. I think I don't. know. You're going mean, to figure that. It out.
5: could be a tax write-off, right? Exactly. I think, I think Re- relocating squirrels.
0: All right, let's talk about hunting and fishing, young man. I know that's a big part of your life as well as refereeing and playing softball and all kinds of things. And uh, um, I'm proud to be your friend as a result of it. You said you just came back from a big fishing trip on a a, a picture of the name of this lake, Mark. It's called Unknown Lake. Yeah, someplace I'm, in Canada. I, yeah,
5: some, yeah. I don't think there's a name for the lake. Yeah, I don't think there's a name for the yeah. lake that we stayed at either. I'm but not sure.
0: Is this, tell us where you were approximately. And tell us, is this the first time you were up there? And how did you end up finding this place?
5: Uh, I have a friend that's been up there 30 years, every year for 30 years in a row. And uh, this was by far the best year for walleye on that lake. And it's relatively close to uh, uh, Ignis, Ontario, if that gives you a ballpark area where it is. And uh, strew. it was uh, three and a half days of fishing, and the four of us boated, caught, and released over 600 walleyes. It was nonstop. Uh, the best <laughs> fishing trip I have ever had in my life. What kind
0: of co- so, accommodations? Uh, what kind of accommodations?
5: The accommodations were fabulous. It's uh, nice cabins, and uh, uh, right, uh, right, out, right on the shore of, of this monster lake. So it was uh, it was an experience, uh, once in a lifetime kind of experience.
0: Was it a drive? you you found it by car, or did you have to fly in?
5: No, no, we drove. We drove. We pulled our own boat. My brother and I, and uh, uh, a former softball buddy of mine, and another friend. The four of us went up, and uh, uh, it was just a, a monster week. We just couldn't keep the walleyes up, and and we stayed in the same bay for uh, almost three and a half three and a half days, and uh, it was just incredible. We there were several times that all four of us that in two different boats had fish on at the same time
0: that's amazing you know the best the the best part in my opinion the best part of, of of that entire story is that you were able to spend that time with your brother and i mean that sincerely because it's rare people spread and families get in the way and you know the life just changes but to be able to do that and and continue that relationship in the outdoors is is
5: precious and I'm doing whatever I can to teach him how to be a fisherman, and it's a challenge.
0: <laughs> interesting. That's interesting. Fun.
5: <laughs> I hope he's listening. He's on the way back from, yeah. uh, from Green Bay with my son. Uh, they went to Lambeau today, and uh, I hope he's listening on the way back.
0: Is he a, a Viking fan or a Packer fan?
5: Well, he's a Viking fan, both of them are. But he's got Packer fan buddies that they trade back and forth every year. They've been doing it for about almost 15 years.
0: Yeah, that's even more fun. I watched part of the game today. I'll tell you what, I think I saw as much purple as I saw green. There were a lot of Viking fans there.
5: Well, you know, I'd love to have watched the game. But uh, as you know, this is the time of the year when I throw on the uh, uh, the stripes and uh, I'm not doing basketball. So I did five basketball games today. And uh, the fans were keeping us updated on the Viking score.
0: And I'll tell you what, now – we're, we're, you have as much energy as I do. As a matter of fact, I, I talked to a, a guest who's going to be on next Sunday, and you might have heard this story. Oh, this is, a, you know, deep, 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 news, but there was a guy from, uh, I forget the name of the town, in in North, South Dakota. No, I think it was South Dakota. Caught a walleye, wanted to go show his buddies at the bar. It's about a 22-inch walleye, and he takes it out of the cooler, and as he's standing on the curb, they're taking pictures of it. He dropped it. It went down the sewer. It went down the grate under the curb. And uh, so anyway, he, uh, it's a great story. He tried to put his fishing rod through there and tried to snag it with a rap, all kinds of crap. But, so it's going to be a fun story next Sunday night. But he, when I told him that I was 72 years old, he was flabbergasted. He thought I was about 40 years old, which was a compliment to me. Well, listen to this. Anyone who's listening to this thing, Tim Badoff, who has as much energy and is as good an athlete as I am, is 79 years old. So, uh, so that's uh, you are you are my idol. I want to be you when I'm 79 years old. Hey, let's talk bird hunting. Have you? Did, I know you're a big bird hunter as well. Have you, did you shoot a few pheasants this year?
5: Uh, I'm all, all set to do my deer hunt. Uh, my good buddy who plays uh, second base for my senior softball team. Uh, I'm gonna spend a few days with him up in the North Woods. But you know, we talked we talked about timber wolves many many times in, in our conversations, and there's two t- two stories that have come out uh, in recent times. One, I don't know if you saw this story, Strew, but it was uh, a grout, couple of grouse hunters were out, and all of a sudden the dog comes running back toward them with a timber wolf on his tail. Now they harvested that timber wolf and cleared through the DNR uh, that it was okay to do so, and uh, you know you can't harvest a timber wolf unless a you have the permission of the dnr and this year there are several hundred licenses being um dis- distributed uh, or if it's a danger to you or livestock or a pet all right well that takes us back to the story that i've told you a few times about uh my I run in with five timber wolves up in the north woods and oh. i have that deer on my wall in my man cave uh, and I, uh, I happened to hear the noise of a bunch of a bunch of barking and uh, going across an open field to the forty acres I was going to hunt that day. I was going to still hunt it, and and I never got to the whole thing because as I came over a ridge, I see in the creek down below in the valley five timber wolves who had a big ten point swamp buck cornered in the in the water. Well, I decided that the timber wolves weren't going to have him, and I was. Well, as I leaned down to take to try and harvest that deer. Uh, I popped my my six at him, and before I could reload and get the get the bolt action back and a new new bullet in the chamber, a timber wolf was coming right at me of one of those five, and um, I stood up, shouted, screamed, waved my hands. He kept coming and coming and coming. I had kind of no choice. And this is this is back quite a few years ago when it was actually legal to do that. And of course it is now to under those same yeah. circumstances because yeah. I had it cleared by, by a, a DNR enforcement guy, but he, uh, I dropped him about 15 feet from me and all of a sudden here comes another one. It looks like he's coming right at me and I wasn't going to ask him what he wanted <laughs> um, I popped again. And as I popped, he took a left turn. And I missed him. Well, long story short on this thing's true. We searched for that deer for nearly an hour. And we had given up because we could not find him. We checked all up and down that stream for drops of blood, as we, as a good hunter will do. Yep. Couldn't find anything, so we thought I missed him, and he's gone. I'm walking back to my car, which is about a half a mile away, along the creek. And as I was getting ready to go up the hill toward my car, I spotted about 12, 14 inches of a horn caught on an ice floe in that creek. My we Lord. Got that, we got that deer. And it was the biggest deer I've ever shot in my life—not the biggest rack, but the biggest deer. And I tell you, he was so tough we couldn't eat his gravy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: That's a good a, line. It was a story that I'll never forget as long as I live. Uh, I, I've, uh, I've threatened my uh, my uh, son. And my brother and my wife, said that I'm going to write, the, write that story and turn it into a Outdoor Life Sports Field or, or the Four Outdoorsmen. Yeah, just write it down. <laughs> well, well, we'll we'll publish it for you. I will tell you, you know, yeah, well, that hasn't happened yet because I don't have time. I <laughs> doing too much other stuff.
0: You know, we're you you're getting,
5: getting ready to do our South Dakota pheasant hunt. We're getting ready to do our deer hunt. My Nebraska deer hunt is not that far off. The, uh, the winter world for our senior softball team is coming up pretty soon, about three weeks out in Phoenix. So, yep. hey, it's, life's, life's busy.
0: Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Uh, so, you're going to be traveling next summer as well, playing softball in the 80 to 85 bracket. No, there's no 80 to 85 bracket. Oh, there, is there? 80 to 85 well, I, do
5: quali- I do qualify for the over 80 group because I just turned 79, but I'm going to stay with my 75 uh, crew that I've been with since 2008. Uh, we've had a good run of success. This summer was tremendous for us, and we've had uh, uh, we have good camaraderie and a good bunch of guys. So we're going to hang on to that crew for a while, and um, maybe the year after we'll have enough to uh, form our own '80s group. We'll you know, be- we
0: were we played against each other and with each other a number of times. I was playing against you in Rochester about must be five years by now, something like that, and I I forget your left fielder's name. A very very nice guy. And he took a, a fly ball right off his head. I forget his name, and he he was all busted. He forgets up. his name. He? <laughs> and uh, yeah, he forgets his name as well. But I, I remember he was off. He had there was blood all over the place. You know, when you get a, it was right on his scalp. You know, and and it was all over the place. I forget his name, but he was a good ball player. Holy buckets! I thought playing infield was dangerous when you get to be seventy years old, but uh, but uh, he he came out of like everybody else, and he's sure probably still playing with you guys. Hey, talking about pheasant hunting a little bit now. Where do you go pheasant hunting in, in Nebraska? Is this private land? Do you go the same place every time?
5: Well, the my it's my muzzle loader deer hunt in Nebraska, in oh, okay. South Dakota for pheasants. Oh, okay, all right. And it's it's about half private land and some public land that we hunt in South Dakota
0: good for you. And Nebraska muzzle loader. I've never gone, mu- I've never shot a muzzleloader.
5: I, I have, I have only hunted one time in the last 12 years with my, uh, with my high-powered rifle. I, it's the muzzle loader kind of took over my, my love for uh, a deer hunt, uh, uh, 12, 13 years ago. And it, uh, it's consumed me and I really, really enjoy it. it it's more of a challenge. You know, you don't have a whole bunch of rounds that shoot a fire away. Yeah. So you have to kind of make sure that your uh, your accuracy is, is there.
0: And that was what I was going to ask. I know all about muzzle loaders. In fact, I was uh, shooting my 30 30 Winchester sighting it in a couple of years ago in, in Oakdale, the Oakdale Gun Club down there, and there was a guy with a muzzle loader next to me. I'm shooting at 50 yards. He's shooting at 75, and he was much more accurate with his <laughs> muzzle loader than I was with my 30 30 from 50 yards.
5: Well, it's true. I'm sorry to tell you this, but I know a lot of guys who are more accurate than,
0: <laughs> than you are. I imagine I'm not surprised about that. Surprised about that. <laughs> hey, pal! Thanks for joining us. You're a nice man. I just uh, I miss you. I'll I'll try to play more this summer. My knees about 90. percent I had to replace last year and didn't do much last year. But I'm ready to get back on the horse, and I'm looking forward to it. Because, uh, and it's like anything else. You miss the guys probably more than the game. You miss the guys, and so I'm looking forward to, to seeing all you guys in 2024 on the ball field.
5: All right. Well, you know, it's friendships throughout the United States uh, when you do this kind of thing at the level we do it, and yeah. it's uh, uh it, it's pretty, it's pretty important, it's pretty impressive, and uh, it's it's a lifelong kind of thing. <laughs> Listen, you guys, uh, you guys do such a great job with the Four Outdoors, but it's so much fun listening to you guys uh, jaw out up there. So keep up the good work.
0: Love you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Take care, y'all. All right, that's Tim Badoff. I appreciate that, young man. But he's 79 years old, and I tell you, I've told you this last year when we had him on the air. He's a very, very good ball player. Hits the ball hard, runs pretty well. He pitches, you know, and uh, he's very good defensively. It's just a good guy. But um, <laughs> think about that, being 79 and keeping all the stuff he's doing. Yeah, what do you got, Mark? Got any shout-outs or yeah, something? Yeah, I want a
1: shout-out to the Hardwater Fishing Expo. It's Saturday, November... Eighteenth. It's probably the Friday the seventeenth and Sunday the nineteenth. We've gone to that one a few times. Yeah, the one in Blaine. Uh, yeah, the one in Blaine. one in Blaine. Yeah, I got a couple tickets. If you want to go, I want to go. We all see our friends down there. So yeah, go check out the Hardwater Expo in Blaine. I'm in Blaine every single day for hockey, so I'll have to go check it out. Thanks for listening to the Four Outdoorsmen. Everybody, going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks to uh, Tim Bonoff, Joe Albert.
0: Uh, it's it's good people you know it's just fun developing relationships with people like these guys so uh, take care everybody have a safe week stay warm my
1: buddy Mark Lukey's got something to say well shout out to my youngest son Sam who turned six and get outside and make some memories